0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. My name is Hector Santhi Esteban, and I'm your host for today. I'm merely your guide facilitator, and we have another successful podcast story today, the series that we've been on. And our guest today is Miss Enma Popley. She is the host of Atlanta Diaries. She just published her 50th episode. So congratulations, Enma, on that, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me on your show. I'm excited to share my journey. And if it helps others, I'm super happy about it.
0: That's really the reason that we do these episodes is that my experience and my journey, although I have the benefit and the fortune of having worked with a number of shows, is just a small sample set. It's really just a small sample size. And so we really like to bring on a variety of different hosts and who host a variety of different shows and a variety of different niches because I think that there's so much to learn and so much to gain from all of those stories. First, tell us a little bit about the show and what it's about. And then I'd love to know kind of the why and and how it all got started.
1: Awesome, sure. Atlanta Diaries is a show where I showcase women leaders and I bring forth their journeys. These are all women who have achieved success in some shape or form. They're all women who are trailblazers and the whole objective is to celebrate their stories and help other women leaders who are in the same path gain inspiration or get insights from their journeys. The name Atlanta is something which a lot of people have confused sometimes even with the city Atlanta and I like to share why, it's. Atlanta. Atlanta was actually a Greek goddess, a myth figure who was abandoned by her father, who was an Arcadian king because she was born a girl child. He abandoned her in the forest and she later on became a huntress. So metaphorically, I think every woman who I bring on my Podcast as a guest is an Atlanta in her own right who has achieved success, who is a trailblazer, who's navigated challenges and reached where she's reached. So therefore, every podcast episode is a diary from is an episode from Atlanta Diaries.
0: One of the things, and first off, I think we can have a whole other conversation about the work that you're doing and the learnings that you've had. Obviously, I'm a man and I can't relate completely to those, but I resonate with that story because I know so many women who have gone through that similar kind of, of journey and you giving them a platform is just so impactful or and so important. But that's not necessarily what we're gonna talk about today. What I'm curious for our listeners today is you have this purpose, you have this passion, this plat this thing that you want to get out to the world. You could do it in a variety of ways. You could write a book, you could start a blog. You could create a meetup. You could do an Instagram page. There's a lot of different things. And podcasting, what was it about podcasting that drew you to the medium or the platform?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Hector. And before that, maybe I'll quickly give you some context because I know you asked me why Atlanta Diaries or why the podcast, right? The purpose of the podcast. So by profession and my background, I'm an executive coach. I essentially work with women leaders. I help them navigate their challenges. You know, the conversations in coaching or rather conversation when I coach my clients are largely around challenges like how do I earn my seat at the table? How do I influence decision? How do I make my voice heard? Sometimes on a lighter note, they'll say men simply have to state whereas women have to convince. So when I heard all these conversations, the next question which I would ask them is, Who's your role model? Who do you look up to? And interestingly, very few of them had women role models. And that awareness really spoke to me. Parallelly, there are a lot of these surveys, including like the McKinsey survey, which I read like last year, where essentially the takeaway from the survey was that as you go higher up, the number of women in the leadership space keeps on declining. So that again said the same thing that, you know, there isn't that much inspiration in the inspiration for these women leaders. So that's when I said, How do I give my woman client more inspiration? How do they get more perspectives? That was the aha moment when I was speaking to. Ashley, my husband, who I told him that, listen, I want to scale my impact. I want to bring more inspiration for my women clients. I think in Jess said, why don't you start a podcast? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you love meeting other women and you want to give more inspiration to your clients. Why don't you start go on this journey to meet women, more women leaders? And I said, yes. But after that, I did not realize what I've signed up for. And this is to your question on how come podcasting? I think then my journey of pushing myself out of my comfort zone started. This is something which was absolutely alien to me. But I also recognized that I would push my clients out of their comfort zone. So I think this became my opportunity to walk the talk. This became my own journey where I think I was able to not just give them perspectives, but role model to them, what I tell them or how I reframe their perspectives. So I think this podcast really became my journey of how I can walk into uncharted territories, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It seems that the conversations, that aspect really draws people to it. What most people don't realize, or maybe they do, is the technical component that comes along with it. Was that ever a challenge or how did you deal with the technical aspect of podcasting? Was it you outsourced it? or you delegated? It or did you take courses or just YouTube it? Like, how did you figure out how to actually get a podcast up and out there?
1: Sure. If you ask me, I think that's the easy part because I call myself, a lot of people call me a delegating queen. So I'm very good at outsourcing and delegating work. I feel there's strength in bringing, carrying people along. So while I did my homework, when I took the plunge, I met a lot of experts in the field. I met podcasters, I've met producers, I met people who were heading, for example, Trivank, who's heading Spotify in India. So I did a lot of conversations. I understood the nuances. I understood the technicalities, but I was very, very clear that I'm going to play to my strengths and um, technical work was not my strength at all. So I very quickly found myself this amazing girl who's sitting in Philippines. She's my podcaster and I just outsourced my work to her. But I think having said that, that itself was a journey because the editing rights I keep with me. I enjoy curating the conversation. I enjoy deciding I want to keep take control of what I want to keep in the podcast, what I don't want to keep. So that was a very interesting journey because early on, I think I was this stickler and this perfectionist who wanted to put everything in the podcast. You know, if I've had a one hour conversation, I wanted to make sure that everything is in that. But very quickly, I evolved and she and I used to have conversations, regroup now and then. And she gave me this very interesting phrase which stays with me saying, and my small is also good. From a one-hour conversation, I think over the last six to eight months, we started bringing it down to 35 to 45 minutes. And despite that, I feel that there's a lot of richness in the conversation. So yeah, so I think technically it's fully outsourced, but some part of it I keep with myself, which I enjoy doing. And I feel that's what's making, even if I say it myself, that's what's making Atlanta Diary special.
0: What do you find yourself pulling out that before you were wanting to leave in? Because I think that we tend to do that a little bit. I don't know if we go down that much, but in our editing process, there is enough where for a 50 minute, an hour long interview, it'll get down to 40, 45 minutes or so. So there's a significant amount, even if that's just in dead space and pauses and fillers and minor hiccups and stuff like that. What's your thought process on what stays and what goes?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. A couple of things, right? One is that I think technically I feel when I'm having a... So I call my podcast Fireside Chat. So it's very conversational. So when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I know I tend to maybe sometimes ask my question not in one line, but you tend to elaborate on it. But when I play it back, I realize that sometimes so much of my part of the question is not necessary. So if I've asked, say, five sentences, I bring it down to one sentence or two sentences. And yet... I think it has enough uh, meat in it. It has enough uh, sense in it. That's one thing which I do. Second thing, sometimes I feel. So this is something I've had a lot of cheerleaders in my journey. These cheerleaders include my husband, my some of people who've been my clients in the past, and they also include my two sons. And I think it's across there for generations. And my eldest son, I remember very early on, told me that mom, don't control the conversation. Like, Don't watch the clock. Okay, because I feel early on, I would literally say, okay, one hour is over, I need to shut down or 45 minutes over, I need to shut down. And I think that used to probably, I mean, he heard through it, right? He could see that I'm rushing to close the call. And I think the minute that happened where I allowed my space to my clients, almost like a coaching call, obviously, therefore, the conversation just went on and on sometimes. So that then had to be played back and then I had to decide which part of it can be done away with. Because I think my coaching skills have allowed me to unravel, have allowed me to peel the onion, have allowed me to see what is what I call beneath the iceberg. To get to the beneath the iceberg, you cannot start it from get-go. You have to slowly get into the conversation. So early on, sometimes there are a lot of questions which allow you to break the ice but those questions are not that relevant to my listener. Probably those are also questions which I, you know, just completely do away with sometimes.
0: You bring up a really good point that a lot of newer podcasters go through, and that's the conducting an interview. If you don't mind me sharing, before we hit the record button, you were saying that this is the first time you were a guest and not the host. And we were kind of going back and forth about which is tougher and which is not. But regardless, there is a journey that hosts go through in, in terms of being comfortable, being confident. And I don't know that we've talked about that enough of, there's a making the guests feel comfortable sort of thing, and then there's also conducting a good interview. And sometimes they are doing the same thing, but sometimes they're not. And I think that what you're talking about is that allowing that conversation to breathe a little bit more while you're recording knowing that you're going to trim off a little bit of it. I think so many people, they're so tight with their recording because they don't want to do any editing or they don't want to make it to the, into the final episode, whereas your method allows for the guests to be a little more comfortable perhaps, and then you can decide what you're going to do in post.
1: Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I'm very mindful of that, Hector. Even if I say it myself, I'm very passionate about what I'm doing now. And I think that's why my why is so clear in the podcast, that why is to genuinely bring out perspectives for my other women leaders. So if that is the why, then... There's no script which I follow. Like I do have some guiding questions. I do have some structure, but I think a lot of it is out of structure. Like that's why I feel that my coaching experience is really making me what it is making me because I double click on what my client says. I unravel with my client. I like we say in coaching, I dance with my clients. So I don't even Maybe clan is the wrong word. I dance with my guests. So really the conversation is like a fireside chat where we are together unraveling their journey. That's why it's also about celebrating their journeys. Some of them have even said things like, oh, Enma, this felt like a catharsis. This felt like a therapeutic call. That was never my intention, but I think I'm able to give them that space to talk about their own journey. In fact, some of them have even said things like, after this conversation, I have some takeaways and you've made me reflect on certain things. And almost like they've created a to-do list for themselves after the call. So without realizing it it almost becomes like a coaching call, it feels.
0: Yeah, I've had a number of... That's come up a number of times of the conversations being therapeutic and being cathartic. And it's probably not one of the reasons, or it's not at the probably not at the top of the list of why people start a podcast, but I think that it ends up being one of the reasons why people keep doing a podcast because they get so much out of just having these conversations. Was there ever a moment, you're at 50 episodes, a little bit more than that now. And by the time we were publishing it, even a little bit more, was there ever a moment where it got tough, where you thought about wrapping it up, where you thought about stopping or where you you thought it wasn't working? And then how did you get past, if there were, how did you get past those points?
1: So there was never a moment when I thought of wrapping it up, but there were definitely moments when I found it hard for example i want to give you credit for this sector you and i just completely i think it's the ai engine which connected us so once in a while i would see your little nugget of saying hey if you've done 25 episodes you've done a good job if you've done 40 episodes hold on to it trust the process so i think those nuggets once in a while really motivated me where i said okay no i'm not the only one who's going through the stuff time there were also moments when i would tend to see the graph of the performance And sometimes that graph was not looking so good. Again, I would feel like, why am I? Forget it. There's no point doing this. And that was coming from a place of not that I cared about the performance. I think the conversation started becoming so much richer that I almost Felt like I owe it to my guests that they need to have more listeners. That was the lens by which, because of which, I wanted better performance. And of course, it can also get very exhausting because early on, I remember I thought I'll do an episode every two weeks. But everybody who advised me said, no, don't make it every two weeks because podcasting is a habit. Once your listeners come on board, they will expect something every week. So it almost was like a show, like it is almost like a TV show, right? Where and I had no idea what I was signing up. So I think from that lens, it can get sometimes, you know, a little stressful and tiring and exhausting. And then I have, like I said, these cheerleaders. My husband is a tough guy. He completely supports me 100%. No, no breaks. You can't take a break at all. Then I found ways around it. I found ways. I realized that I have such rich content that I should leverage it. So sometimes I would create Enma's musings, which genuinely I wanted to create. Once in a while, I would create like a special episode where, which is more thematic. On Mother's Day, I created a Mother's Day episode where again, brought all the people who had paid tributes to their mums, talked about their conversations. As the... Episodes progress when I reach, say, a mark of 25 or 35. I said, No, I need to bring in more listeners for them. So I mindfully now republish every two months, maybe one episode. I allow myself that season break because that's really my time to regroup and really evaluate where I am because I'm constantly evolving and I can see myself growing in that journey. And yeah, so that's the answer.
0: (laughs) It's great that you found this important because I think that's huge and not enough hosts, I think, lean into that because they're siloed, they're closet recording, and they know that are going through the same thing, and it can feel really isolating. The other thing you talked about, which I think is important to just rehash, is this need for breaks. I think that, yes, is there value to putting out an episode every single week and never missing for like 10 years? Those shows that have done that or the ones that are when you look at someone like a Joe Rogan, like how does he do it? Well, there were days and or there were weeks where he was putting out five, six episodes a week and it's like for months. is there value in that? Uh, sure. But I think what you're saying is that there's also value in taking a break and taking a pause and reflecting and making adjustments or allowing that evolution knowing that your podcast is going to be up there forever, maybe. Who knows? And the things that you're talking about, it's not like all of a sudden in 5, 10, 15 years, your content's not going to be relevant anymore. Maybe my content won't be relevant anymore, but your content will be relevant until. And so that catalog continues to build and build. And if we don't account for our own mental health, physical health, all those sorts of things, then we end up being liable to burning ourselves out. And it seems like that that pause is a good way to mitigate that uh, at least a little bit.
1: Sure, absolutely. In fact, talking about people and not being in silos, I personally feel it's a shout out to so many people. I can't even tell you how many people I've had who've cheered me along, who've guided me, who've helped me. So whether it's so many of my husband's colleagues or friends who are now my friends, you know, literally the CEO of Tech Mahindra, uh, Lakshmanan, he's always reposting for me. Another of Varen's colleagues, Prakash Vakankar, who was again one of the CEOs in the Mahindra group, he's Always encouraging me, dear friends. One of our friends, Amit, he's the one who helped me with the title and is constantly cheering me along. Like that, I can think of so many people. Like my son, my two sons. I have to say this on a lighter note. My eldest son tells me that you don't think you give us enough lectures, that now you need a podcast to give us more lectures. And then he's telling somebody, you know, my mom's conversations are great, but I'm just bored of listening to her voice. It wasn't her voice I would have listened to more. And those are lighter moments which bring a smile to my face. also keep me going and then of course all the different comments on my social media all the different messages i'm getting from people on the side saying and ma this is great what you're doing and it's a void which needed to be filled and we needed to celebrate these stories we needed to bring out these stories i think all those things have also really kept me going that yeah And of course, a sense of achievement that I can't tell you how much I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I'd never put myself out there. And to be able to do this, it's also a sense of, okay, you've done this. Another thing you've achieved in your journey and left this legacy of a kind.
0: Yeah, I think what's great is that what we've talked about is really timeless. This conversation thus far has been really evergreen in in regards of whenever someone is is starting something. These are all things that they're going to have to go through. What I am curious about, though, is that as we look ahead towards 2024 specifically, when we're recording this in December 2023. So this will be out early 2024 is when you're probably listening to this. When you're looking ahead, are there any trends, technology? Obviously, AI was a big thing for this year. Is there anything that you are looking to adopt or evolve or integrate into your show this upcoming year that is possible because of those things?
1: Sure. Yeah, you're right. So this is the season. This time I allowed myself a month long break and I'm so excited about it. You know, And I genuinely wanted to, again, regroup and refresh and think more. So one, of course, is from a technical standpoint, I had no presence in YouTube. So I've already had a chat with my producer and we're going to start the YouTube channel so whether it's on video or not is a big question right now because I think when the minute it becomes videos guests become a little wary of it and I wanted to say this that even keeping and I'm not segueing or digressing I'll come back to it but whenever I start the conversation with my guests also I always give them that sense of comfort that it's purely editable okay say what you feel like even after you finish the conversation you want me to get rid of some lines just do it I think I give them that complete sense of comfort I'm very flexible if they want to some of them have landed i've had to canceling They're ceos and all kinds of senior people or non-senior people but they have other commitments so i'm very i think it's all ease and flow like it's nothing is out of stress and therefore going back to the youtube channel i think i'm flexible let it be video or not but definitely that's one big change we're bringing in the second thing is from a techno i don't know whether it's from a technology point of view but Next year, my intention is definitely to focus also on the listeners. I do want to build my listener base because like I said, 50 episodes, 45 amazing women. I want more people to listen to those women and get inspiration. So I'm mindful this time of also parallelly, focusing on Biden the reach. How do I bring more listeners? How do I, I don't know? I don't like the word marketing, but how do I market the podcast? Yeah, that's on my list for next year.
0: It seems like a lot of people got started with their podcasts coming out of the pandemic era. And now there were a ton that fell off, for sure. But the ones who have remained consistent, like your show, is now at a place to grow, right? The foundation has been laid and now you're at a place to, to take off. So it's a really exciting time for you. And I know there's a lot of other podcasters in that spot. And just to speak to that, I think that collaboration, right, the getting on other shows, connecting with other podcasters is, is probably the, the lowest hanging fruit. And so it's, it's exciting to see you do that. And that, this is your first foray into that. Hopefully there's many more guest appearances in your future as well. Tell us where we can find the show and then where someone might be able to get more connected with you if if they want to do that.
1: Awesome. Yeah, definitely. And thank you for giving me this platform to share about my show. So I have a website by my name, which is www.enmapoply.com. The show is showcased in Spotify, in iTunes, in it's there in Buzzsprout. So it's there in all the platforms. I also have a LinkedIn page. I also have an Instagram page. Yeah, I love people to follow the show. I love people to share comments on the show because I think that's what encourages other people to read. I'm on Twitter as well, so I make sure that I post on all of them. I'm hoping to get a now a marketing team. That's another thing which I hesitate to do myself. Yeah, that's another thing, right? So you said not technology, but posting the show and talking about it on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, which is essential, but it's, again exhausting because remember, I also have my coaching practice. So those are not things which give me as much joy. Like I want more listeners. But again, I'm happy to delegate it, or outsource it to people. And I'm having conversations around that for next year.
0: Well, excited for that. We'll link up all the links in the show notes there as well. And this was a very fantastic conversation, gave me a ton of insights. So I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm sure the listeners got some as well. If you made it thus far, we would uh, appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, especially Spotify. If you happen to be listening on Spotify or you've got the Spotify app on your phone, if you could open to that and search for podcasting success secrets, there's uh, some stars at the top. We would be forever grateful. My vanity and my validation would be forever acknowledged. If if you could give us uh, five stars we're trying to make a little push there on Spotify. If you know a podcaster who needs to hear this, someone who's getting started in their journey or has a show and is thinking about how they might be able to grow it or how to sustain it, send them this episode and go out and get connected with Enma on. I believe we're connected on LinkedIn. Is that where we're yes. connected? So you can go find me and, and Enma on, on LinkedIn as well. But we appreciate you being a part of the pod fam, y'all. We'll see you on the next one.